for him at half past noon That's when an evil woman trapped him on the dark side of the moon Basic, and you're listening to From and Inspired by a podcast about soundtracks and the people who make them. Welcome back. We've been on vacation since early August in order to play catch up on some writing, take a trip to Wisconsin, and generally chill out. We're glad to be back, though. And on this episode, we're talking with Sean Tillman, better known as Harmar Superstar, about his musical contributions to the Netflix series Mystery Science Theater 3000 The Return. In 2015, MST3K creator Joel Hodgson launched a Kickstarter to help bring back the popular cult series, which was about a man trapped on a satellite with his robot friends and forced to watch cheesy movies. Their only way to maintain sanity was to make fun of them. It ran on Comedy Central from 1989 to 1996, as well as the Sci-Fi Network from 1996 to 99. Since its cancellation, the internet and various spin-offs such as The Film Crew, Cinematic Titanic, and Rift Track have all kept the spirit of the show alive. The Kickstarter was wildly successful, and the return, featuring an all-new cast, dropped onto Netflix in April of this year. As part of the show's new cast, the theme song was updated and performed by Harmar Superstar, along with the cast's Felicia Day. And even though the show was on Netflix, there were still commercial breaks and station IDs featuring instrumental renditions of favorite MST3K songs. We were really happy to speak with Sean Tillman about MST3K, as well as his new EP, Personal Boy. involved and he'd heard my records and 
thought I could do something more interesting than kind of like a schlubby version like he used to always do. Like he, I mean, that was always like kind of the charm of it. But he like was like, it's time to like, you know, make that song grow up a little bit. I don't even, I can't remember how he put it exactly. Cause he's a, a, a very, a, a very much a dreamer of a person. So he always like has these like amazing ways of stating things. But, um, but yeah, he just wanted to be a little more like muscled up and, uh, he thought I was the guy to do it. So having that, uh, having that faith in me made me actually do it well, I feel like. So what was your in- involvement in sort of the, the construction of the song? Did you help with the lyrics or the Oh, no, no, that was, I mean, that was all, that was all pretty much, you know, we just, we just added, like, Jonah's name, um, and uh, I just sort of, like, I just did a version. I didn't do any writing. I was just... Uh, I was just the guy that, that sang it, you know? And I put together the band that played it. Like, I was the, the band leader, too. By the end of the, by the, end of the process, I, beca- I became the guy who put together the, yeah, the, whole, the whole band and, uh, of Boneheads. And, uh, um, yeah, it was, uh, it was a lot of fun. Where Once we got to the... What? Oh, where did you uh, pull the Boneheads from? Oh, um, well, it's, uh, I was going to bring my whole band out to L.A., and then it ended up just becoming, like, a too big of a production cost to fly everybody out. So um, I called on all my old L.A. pals from when I lived there. Uh, so I got um, uh, MNDR to play keyboards, and I got Josiah Steinbrick, who plays with Devendra Banhart, to play bass, and Cornbread from uh, Electric Guest to play drums, and... Denver Daly from Bass Parasitos was already in town. He plays in my band, so he was he played guitar. And um, Tony Bevilacqua from the Distillers played sax. And then I called uh, Jason Fabus and Andrus Matson, these amazing horn players that were recommended to me by my horn players, to come in. So it kind of all fell together pretty easily, and it was just a bunch of friends by the end of the day messing around. So how long was the like recording process? for all uh, we did, songs. Oh, we did like 10 one-minute bumpers and the theme song in one day. What? Tracking. Yeah. <laughs> Everybody had like time to sit with the, you know, earlier recordings and sheet music for the horns and stuff, but uh, we literally just fired through in like a 12 or 15-hour session and just did everything. And um, then the next day we went in and got into the, the outfits and Lip synced it all. <laughs> I was wondering. Originally, they wanted to do it live, which would have been a disaster. So I'm glad we did. At least got to go in the studio. So, like, uh, did you have any uh, input into the the various songs that were picked? Because I know, like, some of those are, you know, like classic MST3K, like the the Wild oh, no, they, serial. They no, that they, they, that was all just. Their, their choices, and, and we were with Chuck Love, the original writer of all those those themes, and he was playing a lot of keyboards and co-producing with me. So um, having him there was great. He might have dug back into the catalog and been like, "Why don't we do this one?" But I think Joel's very specific about what he wants. I'm sure he he picked he picked the, the classic cuts, you know. Yeah, like I know, uh, like just personally, and also reading online, all of the people. Like the the response to like recognizing certain songs was just like ex- ecstasy almost. Yeah, yeah. People get got really psyched, and I think their Shout Factory is about to release the soundtrack, so um, that should be that should be very exciting for true fans, which there are a ton of. 
So uh, yeah, that should be that should be in the works. I just got to ask some questions about the liner notes, so I, I know that's a thing that's happening. <laughs> I just don't. I have no idea about the release or any of that kind of stuff. But well, you'd mentioned that like you're you had a you had grown up with the show. When did you first sort of discover MST3K? Um, it was like I guess my like godfather. Uh, and his son, who's my age, uh, and um, my godfather's wife, I guess, uh, were all huge fans. Whenever I'd go over there, that was like pretty much like all we'd watch. And, and then that kind of transferred over into my life. And that was like, you know, when I was eight, nine, or ten, or something like that. Like, you know, I have a, it's just always kind of been this thing that you, when you find out it's from Minnesota, you're like, oh, I could make a TV show and it could be on actual TV. And, this is so funny and it's like so kooky and the uh, the comedy is so like universal. It's like, you know, it's kind of that Simpsons thing where it's not like dirty, so it's for everybody. You know what I mean? It's like little kids can laugh to do it at a, on a different level as the adults in the room and it's just all kooky enough to be like fun for everybody. Did you draw any inspiration from that when like you started writing music? Um, I'm sure. I'm sure that, that, I don't know, I guess not directly. I've never really thought about it. Like, I never tried, I've never tried to make the lyrics, like, super funny, but I always want, I like, I like the relatableness of it for, like, anybody. So, I guess probably. No, that makes a lot of sense. You know? Like a magnet, my own savior, all I have. My love is bad behavior, not your problem. Touch my hand. So you put out like a new full length last year, but you've got this new EP that just came out. Yeah, yeah. Called Personal Boy. Um. <laughs> So, like, uh, EPs seem to be making, like, a strange comeback? Yeah. Yeah, it's fun to do, because, you know, you just make a few songs, and you can just put it out. And, I don't know, I'm, like, I'm not in any, like, record contract right now, so I can kind of, like, mess around and, and see what sticks. And, you know, I just made this, own, made this EP and put it out digitally, and then next week the, the LP or the 45-inch, or the 45 RPM 12 inches will start shipping out and uh, it's just fun to kind of have the control of that process like I did when I was a kid making 7 inches in my punk band so um, I'm having a blast with it you know so it's easier now because you can just send them all to a you know uh, your web store kind of fulfillment company and then they'll just mail everything out so you can kind of just just like um, you know make it like like just make it and send it out and it's a thing and all of a sudden you're just like oh wow I got like a new EP and I don't, I don't even know two months ago we just started recording it like so it, it's pretty awesome I've talked to like various musicians who put out EPs and things like that and they all seem to be like the reason they like them is because it's a, it's a really good way of showing like a snapshot of where they are musically like right now without having to like the the ordeal that is putting together a full length is, is that yeah it's true about? it's like less pressure and like this song is like personal boy is like an eight minute epic like super like just 
over-the-top dramatic song, which, like, wouldn't really fit on a record as much. You know, it'd be, like, half of a side, and it'd be, like... You know what I mean? Like, it'd be, like, uh, like all of a sudden you'd be, like, putting out, like, an eight-song album, and people would be uh, find that to be a cop-out or whatever. You know what I mean? It's just, like, why not just make it its own EP, make it its own half, like, side of a record, and uh, have it just be, like, this standalone dramatic track that is its own thing. Oh, yeah, there are, like, so many bands that I respect who use, like, those, like, use EPs as, like, a really great way to put out, like, a, like an epic song that I think of, like, somebody, like, fucked up. Yeah, yeah, totally, exactly. So, why, why an epic did, was... It just sort of happened, but the song just, like, lent to, lent itself to that. I was kind of thinking of, like, Seal and George Michael, and I was, like, writing this chord progression, and just the way me and BJ and Laserbeak, like, were putting it together, just sort of, like, there was no way it couldn't be eight minutes long, just because the intro was just taking on a life of its own, and it was just kind of, like, we were just, like, laughing our asses off, like, how perfect it was, you know what I mean? Like, that point of, like, crazed production, where you're just, like, you're insane, and you're just, like, laughing, you're like, what is this music we're making? And, like, and then, like, it's, like, coming out of you, and you have no idea how, and then it's done, and you're like, this song is insanely good. I would have never done this if it wasn't, like, the three of us in the room, like, wild-eyed, laughing our asses off, you know? So, just because it's so good. So how does this song translate live? It does, man, it does. Like, we op- we've been opening the set with it. It's like, I love it. The band starts off, and they sort of, like, the sounds are all on the drum pad, and everybody just, like, pulls it together. I'm not on stage for, like, the first two minutes, and then I come out, and the vocals are, you know, probably the hardest ones to sing in the set, so I like to get them done right away. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but, yeah, it's uh, it translates amazingly, man. I'm super psyched for it. So how long does uh, the exactly two months I mean we're going out with the Afghan wigs and playing all their dates and then any days they take off in the middle we're doing our own headline sets yeah it basically starts September 3rd and we get back like two days before Halloween so it's a big chunk it's pretty much all of fall awesome yeah sir thank you so much for taking time to talk to me I really appreciate it oh yeah thanks for calling man Thanks to Harmar Superstar for talking with me. MST3K The Return is currently streaming on Netflix, and the soundtrack is available digitally from Amazon Music and iTunes. Harmar Superstar's Personal Boy EP is available at the artist's website, harmarsuperstar.com. You can find links to purchase both in the show notes for this episode, which can be found at fromaninspiredby.com. We're on Facebook and Twitter at fromInspiredPod. You can subscribe to us via iTunes as well. Harmar Superstar is on Facebook and Twitter at Harmar Superstar. Please hit up the website and click on the Give Us Money button to help pay for web hosting and long distance fees, and remember to leave us a review on iTunes. We'll be back next week with a new installment of From the Stereo to Your Screen, talking about the music video for City of Crime from the action comedy Dragnet. Until then, thanks for listening.
Breaker, Breaker, we got a carnival magic in progress. Uh, carnival magic? What's that? That's when a second-rate producer has access to a carnival, so he writes a script in three days and pays all his actors in beer and cheese sticks. Oh, right, and he pads out the movie with footage of sad children and a car chase that does nothing to further the plot, but makes the movie long enough so that way he can run it in theaters. Uh-huh, and it gets buried in a vault for years until mad scientists make a TV show where they force poor jerks to watch it, thus giving it a second life its makers never truly intended. <laughs> yeah, exactly, carnival magic. <laughs> Well, why didn't you say so? <laughs>